The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hey everyone, Matt Straub welcoming you to the Roto World Fantasy Basketball Podcast. It is Tuesday, November 24th. The dust has settled ever so slightly after a delirious weekend of NBA free agency. Today we're going to look at some of our biggest takeaways. We're going to gear this toward fantasy. We will try to stay somewhat rooted in reality as well. We're going to talk Nuggets, Pistons, Raptors. Why am I just rattling off teams? And we will, of course, talk Atlanta Hawks as well. All of that and more coming up on the show. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Right now, I'm joined by Steve Alexander. Steve, first things first, what is going on? How are you? Uh, I, as far as I know, everybody who works at Roto World Basketball is still with us. So I <laughs> think we made it through the storm of Draft Guide Tuesday, NBA Draft Wednesday, a bunch of trades and pre-free agency stuff on Thursday, and then free agency fest with Woj and Shams hitting us about every five minutes for uh, 72 straight hours. So. I think we needed, I think we missed by not getting like a mosaic photo of just everyone's face in the middle of that and just what they looked like. Everyone from the Roto World crew. Just like a still image of everyone's face in the middle of that, that <laughs> sleep deprivation. That would have been fun. Yeah, it would have been. It's a missed <laughs> opportunity for sure. Steve, I was going to slow play it when it comes to talking about the Hawks, but I don't think we should you know, put on any sort of charade here. Let's get right to where we need to start this show. The Atlanta Hawks went absolutely berserk in free agency. We knew that they had a lot of money to spend. This surpassed my expectations in both good, mostly good and some bad ways. So let's get into it. They signed Danilo Gallinari to a three-year deal, three years north of $60 million. They made a couple lesser moves, signing Chris Dunn, which makes sense, and Rajon Rondo, which... It doesn't make sense. It also appears 
as we record this, they are going to land Bogdan Bogdanovich, assuming Sacramento doesn't match the deal after we record. We're recording on Tuesday. Today is decision day for the Kings. So let's look at the fallout, Steve. I want to start just with some of the guys who were relevant last year. You know, Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, Kevin Herter. These are all names we've kind of gotten accustomed to either streaming in fantasy leagues, starting sometimes in fantasy leagues. They've all been on the fantasy radar. It now feels like all of those guys, or at least a couple of them, are going to have to take a back seat. How does this shake out for you with all of this depth now in Atlanta? Well, you're right. I mean, Kevin Herter, if Bogdan comes, Bogdan's the big one, I think. Like, Gallo's going to be here. He's going to hurt DeAndre Hunter, and he's going to play a lot. As long as Gallinari's healthy, he's going to play a lot. Uh, speaking of Gallinari, I mean, we caught a little bit of heat for signing. You know, Woj said he's the the most expensive never all-star to be signed at over 30 years old. But he's been shooting the ball better the last couple of years. He's been able to stay healthy the last couple of years. I think Gallinari could have a monster resurgence in Atlanta. Not really a resurgence, but he could have a really good, really good run here. And then you add in Bogdan, the Hawks land Bogdan. He's going to start at shooting guard, which hurts Herder. It hurts Cam Reddish. But, you know, you put those guys out there with Trey Young and John Collins and Clint Capella, who knows what this team could do this year. I want to believe, because I I loved what I saw from Reddish late in the year, I want to believe that there's a, a world where he could still have fantasy value on this team. But you start to look at it. I mean, the pecking order for shots, Trey Young, obviously, John Collins are, are one and two. Then you have Gallinari, probably the third option, let's say. Bogdan Bogdanovich right there fighting for, for the, the third option. And then you have Clint Capella. I mean, Kim Reddish, you know, he could maybe get the minutes off the bench. You could see him getting north of 25 minutes, let's say. But he's the sixth option at this point. I mean, I'm just not exactly seeing it for those guys having significant fantasy value. So it almost feels like as much as the Hawks have improved, the Cam Reddish fantasy breakout is probably on pause here. It is. It, we got to make sure that the Bogdanovich thing doesn't fall through. Right. You know, he was a Milwaukee buck for for about 12 hours. And now, you know, we still don't know if the Kings are going to match. The fact they've drawn it out this long, I, I think they're going to let him walk. So it's bad news for Kevin Herter and Cam Reddish. It's good news for the Hawks. All right, Steve, let's keep it moving to the Charlotte Hornets. Obviously, they added LaMelo Ball with the number three pick in the draft. They also made a massive signing of Gordon Hayward in free agency, four years, $120 million. You look at that roster, especially when it comes to the point guards, the shooting guards, small forward, it seems like it's getting quite crowded. I mean, you obviously have Terry Rozier still there, Devontae Graham, who had his great counting stats, horrendous field goal percentage breakout campaign last year. <laughs> You've got LaMelo, who is going to play. There's no question about that. You've got Hayward, who's going to play a lot. You've also got Miles Bridges. Who do you think are, is the big maybe loser here in Charlotte based on how crowded the situation is now? It's got to be Terry Rozier, right? I think, um, yeah, I think maybe Rozier and Graham, some combo of those two, are going to take a hit. And maybe Rozier, maybe he's not a loser. Maybe he's better served coming off the bench and being a sixth man for that team. I think Lamelo starts at point guard. I think Devontae starts at shooting guard. You've got Terry Rozier backing up both of those spots. Uh, and then you've got Hayward. So it's a good spot for Hayward. He should be the focal point of that offense. I like P.J. Washington over Miles Bridges at power forward. And one thing 
the Hornets did not touch was their center position. So they're still rocking Cody Zeller, <laughs> which uh, that there's not anything very rock and roll about Cody Zeller. Yeah, Hayward last year with Boston, 17.5 points, 6.7 boards, 4.1 assists, 0.7 steals, 0.4 blocks, 1.63. Those were top 50 numbers. I don't know that you can really expect him to improve on those drastically, even if he is possibly the focal point in Charlotte. But I think he remains very fantasy relevant. And I think when it comes to Rogier and Graham, the thing to keep in mind, which I think is probably on people's minds, is that Lamella Ball is a ball-dominant guard. This is a guy who is going to control the offense. So any other point guards who are playing with him at the same time, it's going to be hard to get touches maybe other than you know off-the-ball touches where you're catching and shooting or something like that. Yeah, but also the thing um, the thing about Hayward, last year he was playing with Kemba Walker, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. I'm not sure that there's a, a player of that caliber of any of those three on this roster. I, I think Hayward's numbers almost have to go up. I, I'm going to disagree with you a little bit right there, Matt. Okay, okay. Well, you know, it would be great for his fantasy value if Hayward can push you know, for top 40. But again, he was already inside the top 50, so it's not like I'm down on him. I am down, though, Steve, on what your Dallas Mavericks did in during the free agency draft week. They essentially turned Seth Curry into Josh Richardson, right? Isn't that the net sum of their moves? Yeah. Uh, they also added James Johnson, who, you know, how, how old is he, Matt? Is he 48? 47? <laughs> I don't know. James Johnson... Is there uh, the the move they made? I do like is Wes Wundu brought him over from the Magic. He's sort of a defensive whiz. He's super pumped about playing uh, with Luca. I think he could be a super deep sleeper in fantasy this year. But yeah, Josh Richardson. I've always been a Josh Richardson guy. I always draft him. He's always on my teams. He wasn't great in Philadelphia last year, but I'm kind of glad he got out of Philadelphia because there wasn't going to be a lot of room to work there with, you know, them getting healthy and ready to go. So he he's going to be uh, a factor in Dallas, but you know, Seth Curry was in Dallas and he's a good player too. I just think Josh has a more fantasy friendly game. The thing I'm concerned about for my Mavericks is Chris Tapp's Porzingis is not going to be ready to start the season his knees could be a problem all year. And they didn't do anything at center either. So Maxi Kleber may have to play a lot of center for this team, which leaves like James Johnson as really your only real option to play power forward for that team when Chris Stapps is not there. And that's that's not enough. Yeah, I'm surprised that Dallas didn't upgrade more. And and as for Josh Richardson, he was barely startable in fantasy last season. He was just inside the top 150 of nine category leagues, 13.7 points, but the rest of the stats just weren't quite there. 3.2 boards, 2.9 assists, 0.9 steals, 0.7 blocks, 1.5 threes. It's more of a deep league stat line. Now he's playing with Luca. I just don't see how things get better for him playing off the ball so much. So I think at best he could maybe duplicate those numbers, but I don't think you're really looking at an impact fantasy year from Richardson in Dallas. Yeah, I, I'm not expecting any miracles. I think he's going to be better uh, this season than he was last, but I'm not targeting him until the end of my drafts. I, don't, I also don't understand, just from a real-life standpoint, taking Seth Curry away, one of the league's most dangerous three-point shooters, taking him away from Dallas. I guess they drafted some shooting, but I still 
I don't love that in a real life sense. You know, that's a serious weapon for Luka Doncic and the Mavs. And I don't love taking it off the roster. Uh, did you bring me on here just to bash the Mavs for, for the next half hour? Yeah, is I don't that, have is that any, where we're at. I don't have any other topics. This is this is it. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. I, I I hear you. I mean, losing Seth Curry, losing a deadly three point shooter, shooter like that, not replacing him with one, uh, is a little tricky. There aren't any big rookies on Dallas. I mean, they they just and then you look at their. Their power forwards and their centers are just sort of, it's sort of a mess. So they looked a lot better a year ago than they they do right now, at least on paper. All right, Steve, one player who did vacate the Mavs that we haven't mentioned yet is DeLon Wright. He's headed to the Detroit Pistons, which is the next team we're going to discuss here. We'll talk about DeLon in a second, but there's actually a lot of other impact moves to talk about on the Pistons. Christian Wood is gone. That's the first surprise, I think. I think we all kind of expected him to stay in Detroit. We'll get to him in a little bit. But meanwhile, we've got Jeremy Grant has come to town for the Pistons. Mason Plumley is now there and possibly has a shot to be the starting center. And then you've got DeLon Wright there as well. First of all, just big picture, what do you think of these guys from a fantasy standpoint, the new arrivals for Detroit, Grant, Plumley, Wright? Is there a chance that all three of these guys have fantasy value for you, Steve? Yeah, there's a chance. I mean, Blake Griffin last year was literally on his last leg. Uh, Jeremy Grant could step in there and and do things. In fact, I would have liked to seen him go go to Dallas. Dallas could have really used a guy like Jeremy Grant uh, in free agency. So Blake Griffin, I do like Sekou Dumbuya. He showed signs last year. Grant being there hurts him a little bit. But yeah, Jeremy Grant's got potential to have fantasy value there for sure. DeLon Wright is probably the guy nobody's talking about who could be one of the free agency darlings playing for such a terrible team and not having a lot of competition for minutes and a job. So he can play uh, both guard spots. Derrick Rose, another guy on his last legs. Rookie Killian Hayes. Zaire Smith, who, who's been a disaster ever since he came in the league. I mean, DeLon Wright is the only sure thing that the Pistons have at guard. And I didn't think I'd ever be calling DeLon Wright a sure thing, uh, well, for the record. J- DeLon Wright was the ultimate not sure thing last season. He, We were all so high on him coming to last season with the Mavs. That obviously was a spectacular bust. But a real post-hype situation, a guy with a very fantasy-friendly game, if he gets a chance to play, gets a lot of defensive stats, can get some dimes, can put down a three here and there. So I love that. And by the way, we always joke about these guys, you know, oh, Derek Favors feels like he's 42 years old. <laughs> I think Sekou Dumboya was playing last year for the Pistons at age 12. <laughs> uh, and, and quickly want to hit on Jeremy Grant. Jeremy Grant, I think, is a guy who could potentially return some nice value not a huge ceiling guy in fantasy but just back in 2018-19 we saw him average 13.6 points 5.0 rebounds 1.3 steals 0.8 blocks and 1.43s for the thunder that's all up from what he did this past year where his numbers were slightly down so if he gets that little boost from joining the pistons which is a team he went to basically so that he could do more that those were the published reports he would have stayed with Denver otherwise if he wanted to stay in kind of a secondary role. So he's expecting his numbers to go up, I think. So he has a real path to an improvement. And Mason Plumley, who I mentioned before, 
Only started one game last season, but as a starter the season before 2018-19, he averaged 10.5 points, 8 rebounds, 3.5 assists, which is fantastic for a center, plus 1.2 steals, 1.0 blocks. Plumlee is a sneaky good fantasy player, putting aside his shaky free throw percentage. So I actually love him as a sleeper now that he's joined the Pistons. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say I love him. Oh, uh, He a- is... He is intriguing, and he most certainly could be serviceable. Uh, they also have a little oak for they're going to split minutes in the middle in Detroit. Um, I'll yeah, I'll bet on I'll bet on Plumlee in that equation. Uh, okay, and if we need to get some sort of Plumlee bet going, some sort of Plumlee jersey situation, wow. I might be I might be down for that. All right, maybe we set you know maybe the numbers I just said over under. 10 points, seven and a half rebounds or something like that for Plumlee with a Plumlee jersey on the line. <laughs> yeah, we'll look into that. We'll, talk, right. about, we'll talk about that. All right, now. well, I, I was ready to commit, but if you want to hedge a little bit, that's all right. Yeah, I'm going to have to think about it. <laughs> Consult my... You suddenly realize those numbers are extremely realistic. That 10 I just said. points and seven boards. We might be able to do that. Mason might be able to get that done. I'm serious, though. I mean, I'll take an intriguing out of you. Okay, maybe I went a little far saying I loved him as a sleeper. I like him as a sleeper, and I'll take intriguing out of you. So that's a (laughs) successful exchange we just had there. The Golden State Warriors got some absolutely crushing news last week, obviously, with the news that Klay Thompson is out for the season with a torn Achilles. But they did land a pretty exciting replacement. I, I don't think, as a Warriors fan, this isn't a net gain for you necessarily. You're not happy, per se, but getting Kelly Oubre in there after losing Klay Thompson is actually pretty huge, I think, both in real life and in fantasy it's it's significant, although I really kind of think Oubre was going to do in Oklahoma City what he did in Phoenix, and now I think he's probably going to do something similar now that he's in Golden State. Yeah, I mean, he's coming off a career season, and I was excited about him playing for Phoenix this year. I was excited when he got shipped to Oklahoma City. In the Chris Paul trade, it looked like he was going to be a focal point there. And I'm still excited with him going to Golden State. I mean, he's the perfect signing for the Golden State Warriors after they lost Klay Thompson for the entire season, and which had uh, Steph Curry in tears, we learned yesterday. But it's a big deal for Golden State because if they don't get Kelly Oubre and lose Klay Thompson, you know, you're looking at Kent Bazemore and Andrew Wiggins as your, as your wings, and that's, that's not great. So now they've got Steph Curry. Now they've got Wiggins. They plug Kelly Oubre in there. Draymond Green hopefully has somewhat of a bounce back year. And then they've got, you know, a nice little center pool to choose from. they got the rookie James Wiseman. They've got Marquise Chris, who I, for some insane reason, <laughs> was really excited about this year. Uh, not so much anymore with Wiseman and Kavon Looney there. But those are three guys who can play center for them. So... Uh, don't underestimate the Warriors this year, even without Clay. The Warriors were teetering perilously close to last year's purgatory, I think, with the loss of Clay Thompson. But Ubre could help save them from that. Last year with Phoenix, eighteen point seven points, six point four rebounds, one point three steals, zero point seven blocks, one point nine threes. A great fantasy player, an exciting real life player, and I think he's got a path to something around eighteen points per game again in Golden State. Yeah, and I mean, if you think about it, he spent so much time in Phoenix. He hasn't really played with a guy like Steph Curry or Draymond Green before. I think those guys are going to be great for Oubre. 
I kind of love Kelly Oubre. Not going to lie. I'm with you. Want to make mom's day? Get to your Nordstrom Rack now and score amazing deals for Mother's Day, which is Sunday, May 12th. Find tons of gifts from only $30 at Nordstrom Rack. Fragrance, jewelry, luxury bags, activewear, beauty, and more. Save on Kate Spade, New York, Stuart Weitzman, and Ted Baker, London. Great brands, great prices. So shop your Nordstrom Rack store today and treat mom to the good stuff from just $30. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Release the hounds. The Thanksgiving tradition continues as the top canines in the country compete for best in show at the National Dog Show. Thursday, 12 Eastern, right after the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, only on NBC. Why did the Raiders trade head coach John Gruden, and why did they spend $100 million to bring him back? Michelle Tafoya, the longtime award-winning Sunday Night Football sideline reporter, unmasks Gruden by talking to his closest confidants and to Chucky himself. Download Sports Uncovered, John Gruden, the coach worth trading for, wherever you listen to podcasts. I want to tell everybody, don't forget to use that Dr. A, D-R-A, 10 code on anything you purchase at Roto World for a 10% discount. Let's transition now to the Houston Rockets, Steve. We don't know at this moment what the future exactly holds for the disgruntled MVP superstar combo of James Harden and Russell Westbrook. We do know that Christian Wood, the aforementioned Christian Wood, and now Boogie Cousins are in Houston. So let's look at this center situation. I think initially it was easy to be pretty excited about Christian Wood landing there. Boogie kind of complicates things, although with his injury history, recent injury history, are we really worried about Boogie putting a dent in Christian Wood's value? Yeah, I was going to say, when was the last time you remember seeing Mark, DeMarcus Cousins like ball out? I, <laughs> I don't really remember the last time it happens. Like When I think about Boogie Cousins, I see him grabbing his head and screaming in Sacramento and, and being mad at an official and throwing a headband at and then I have visions of him laying on the floor holding his ankle or his knee. I, I don't recall the last time he went crazy. He's on a one-year non-guaranteed contract. Obviously, Houston's treading carefully with Boogie. I, I hope he does well. I hope he plays well in Houston. But, you know, Christian Wood is on a pogo stick. He's like 14 years old. He's ready to go crazy in Houston. I, I'm still through the roof, excited about Christian Wood. Yeah, Christian Wood, just to quickly close that, 22.8 points, 9.9 rebounds, 2.0 dimes, 0.8 steals, 1.0 blocks, and 1.73s in 13 games last season for Detroit after Andre Drummond was traded to Cleveland. So even if you don't think he's hitting those numbers in Houston, 
They didn't sign him, I think it was three years, $41 million. They're planning to use him quite a bit, and he can probably place him four as well. So even if Boogie is healthy, I think Christian Wood is getting his 30-plus minutes, and he's going to get his numbers. That's what I'm anticipating. So I'm still just as excited as you are about him. As for Cousins, though, I, it seems like an eternity ago, but he was actually good for Golden State in 2018-19. In 30 games, he put up 16.3 points, 8.2 rebounds, 3.6 dimes, 1.3 steals, 1.5 blocks, and 0.9 three-pointers. I think there's a situation where Boogie's a late-round flyer. We won't be surprised at all if he gets hurt. I don't think we think he's going to crush Wood's value in any way, but I do think there's a chance that he creates his own standalone value in Houston. Uh, I think that's a fair assessment, and I, I, I'm kind of uh, right right there with you, actually. Uh, I think we're all hoping for the best for Boogie. I hope he can come out and... Uh, make an impact for them, have some fantasy value. But uh, even if he does, I just don't think there's any way that it slows down my guy, Christian Wood, who, Matt, we had an uh, industry-slash-expert mock draft the other day, and I took Christian Wood... First overall. ...at the end of the fourth round, and I followed him up with Michael Porter Jr. Nice. And... People were both shocked and angry. <laughs> I think people thought they were going to get Christian Wood in like five or six. I reached for him, and, and it's probably too high to take him, but there's also nothing more fun than taking a guy and making the entire draft draft room mad. Let's look at the Denver Nuggets, Steve. Jeremy Grant is, of course, now with the Pistons. Paul Millsap is back in Denver they also signed Jamichael Green. But when you look at that combo, I know how you feel about Millsap. He's in his mid-30s. He hasn't been that durable. We're all looking at this because, of course, Michael Porter Jr. is one of our favorite breakout guys. Does the addition of Jamichael Green give you any pause at all? Or is it full speed ahead with the Michael Porter Jr. breakout? Uh, it is full speed ahead on Michael Porter Jr., MPJ. Uh, Jamichael Green can play either forward spot outside of Will Barton. Denver looks really thin at small forward. So I think Jermichael Green's going to split his time between the two forward spots. Uh, Millsap, as you mentioned, he's approaching three-wheeled bicycle, uh, white socks, and flip-flops riding to the beach with a cane in his basket down there in uh, Miami, Miami Beach. He's getting up there, so I, I, I will be enraged if Denver does not turn Michael Porter Jr. loose this year. I'll be angry. I have to ask you, when you say three-wheeled bicycle, do you mean tricycle? Is is that what we're talking about? (laughs) You know, those old people trikes that your your grandma rides to the beach when when they move down to to Florida. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. A a three-wheeled bicycle would actually be a a tricycle, Matt. Thank you for... (laughs) I will tell you, from this day forward, I'm never calling it a tricycle again, though. I'm going (laughs) three-wheeled bicycle forever now. Oh, man. Uh, That's good. We got to get to the Minnesota Timberwolves because I'm looking at this. We're going to ignore the front court here. I just want to know how we sort out this mess. Ricky Rubio is back in Minnesota, so nostalgia wins there. D'Angelo Russell is there, of course, as we know. They also... Resigned Malik Beasley to a significant deal, and they drafted Anthony Edwards number one overall. So what do we do with this? Beasley averaged more than 20 points per game for them and three and a half threes last year. They just paid him big money. They just, of course, invested the number one pick. As I said in Edwards, you have two guys who can play the point guard 
in Rubio and Russell. What's going to happen here, Steve? Do you think there's enough for all four of these guys? Ugh, I, I don't feel good about Anthony Edwards' outlook. Now, if they would have left Rubio where he was and let D'Angelo play the point and then let Beasley and Edwards fight it out at shooting guard, I think fantasy-wise everything would have been roses. But like you said, there's four guys they all need to eat, and is Russell better on the ball or off the ball? I don't even really know. But Rubio's a true point guard. Rubio's not going to play shooting guard. So uh, let's just call it sort of a, a very Minnesota-esque move, and it's, I don't know, one step forward, two steps back for them. It, I, I, I don't know. I'm not going to be racing out to draft Rubio or or Russell at this point, but I'm not going to shy away from them if they're sitting there you know, at the right spot. Well, and not to mention Jarrett Culver, who was a lottery pick last year, is still there. So you assume he's going to play some too. So I just think you have a messy situation here. Yeah, I think ultimately it seems like Rubio, Russell, and Beasley are going to be in front of the young guys. And you do have to be – I was already worried about Edwards because of the percentages, but now I think you got to be worried about his counting stats too. Yeah, playing time could be an issue for Edwards, especially – you know, we don't know. Sometimes rookies come into camp and they get it and they go crazy, and other times they don't. Now, Edwards supposedly is the most NBA ready player that was in that draft, so he should be okay, but he's got a lot of competition for minutes there. And then let, let's not forget Juancho Hernan Gomez, who looks like he might be the starting power forward next to Cat there in, in Minnesota. Uh, this, this Minnesota roster, man, I, 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 mean, I can't. They're not going to play Edwards as like a small ball four, are they? I don't know. It's a mess. It's a messy one. I'm not crossing Rubio, Russell, or Beasley off of my draft boards, but I do move them all down, I think, with how crowded it is. And I'm not drafting Edwards anyways because of the percentages. I, look, they're not going to bench the number one pick. He's going to play, but I think it's going to be a fight for shots. And, you know, it, it looks messy to me. It looks messy to me, too. I can see them trying to trade somebody, but I don't know who. <laughs> but Josh Akogi and Wancho aren't going to bring a big demand out on the trade market i don't think all right steve let's go to new orleans as we head toward a stretch run of this podcast the new orleans pelicans of course no longer have drew holiday he is in milwaukee that means eric bledsoe has come to town but really what this means steve for me is lonzo ball is taking over in 31 games before the season shut down leading up to the season shutting down last season Ball put up 14.2 points, 7.3 boards, 8.5 dimes, 1.6 steals, 0.8 blocks, 2.9 threes. You and I were both ridiculously excited about him heading into the restart, and I'm pretty sure he did nothing after that. But give him a fresh slate here. Holiday's gone. It's Alonzo Ball show. Are you as excited as I am about Ball's fantasy prospects next year? Yes. (laughs) Uh yeah, I was not a big Lonzo guy when he was coming out and being drafted into the NBA. But I have come to really enjoy watching him. I feel like his shot has improved a lot. He's fixed um, it. He's he, fixed the glitch. He's a great passer. Like you said, Drew Holiday's out of the way. Um, he's got Eric Bledsoe to throw it to. He's got J.J. Redick to throw it to. He's got Brandon Ingram. He's got Zion. They added a real center for the first time in forever that I can remember in New Orleans. Anthony Davis, to me, was a power forward. They've got Steven Adams there now. So I like the moves that the Pelicans made. 
And I think Lonzo is set up to, to go off. He's he's a guy I will try to draft across the board every league. He's starting to kind of become the modern-day Jason Kidd when it comes to fantasy, when you look at that combo of points, rebounds, assists. And when you look at a guy who was averaging four, around 14, 7, and 8.5 and for a long stretch last year, you can project ahead for a young player. I mean, we could be looking at something like 16 points, 8 boards, 9-plus assists. I mean, he could be an absolute monster this season. Uh, yeah, for sure. And I was just looking at the uh, mock draft we did the other day, uh, industry mock and I got Lonzo in the sixth round. Wow. Pretty good about it. I went Lonzo and Kobe White in round six and seven. What's funny is I think I would take Lonzo before you said in that mock you took Porter Jr. and Wood like at the round four or five turn. I think I'd probably yeah. take Lonzo before both of those guys. But it's really nice when it works out in a draft that you maybe reach for a guy and then you get a guy who might be better the next time through. <laughs> yeah, looking back on that, you're right. Uh, like the the Porter Jr., I, I, I was around too early on Wood. Then it probably should have been Ball in the fifth, and then it probably should have been Mike Ward Jr. in the sixth or the seventh. But, you know, when when you're playing against all these guys or mocking against all these guys uh, who pretty much already know the blueprint for what I want to do, I always feel like I have to get a little creative. Yeah, it's a different game, no doubt about that. All right, Steve. Let's go to Oklahoma City. Truly a chaotic offseason for the Thunder already. They no longer have Chris Paul. He's in Phoenix. Danilo Gallinari is in Atlanta. I think my big takeaway from this offseason is it seems to me when I look at this roster, there's a lot of confusion, but I think ultimately we're looking at an absolute field day for Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Do you agree? Absolutely, yes. Um, he should go crazy. He's one of the big free agency winners. You know, Kelly Oubre was going to OKC, and then that didn't happen. Chris Paul's out of the way. It's the SGA show, and I am very excited about him. Year two of his career, he made a big leap last season, and that was playing with Chris Paul and Daniel Gallinari. He averaged 19 points per game, 5.9 boards, 3.3 dimes, 1.1 steals, 0.7 blocks, 1.23s. His points per game went up, I think, something like eight per game from his rookie season to his second year. So I think this is a guy whose points can fly into the 20s. We're looking at you know six more than six boards per game, possibly more than four assists, gets some blocks, gets some steals, just an all-around fantasy stud. And I think it's going to be a race to draft SGA in the early rounds this year. Yep. I think you're right. I think I've got him like number three overall point guard. I thought you were going to say number three overall pick. <laughs> no, but he, he's going to be um, he's going to be he's going to be fun. And we're, we're we overhype him every year anyway, so this year should be no different. Well, I thought he was a little overhyped heading into last season, but just looking at that roster, I don't see any way. Well, I shouldn't say that famous last words. I was about to say I don't see any way he busts, but. I don't know. It just feels like a perfect setup for him to dominate. It really does. I mean, Lou Dort at shooting guard, Trevor Ariza and Darius Baisley at small forward, Mike Muscala and I guess TJ Leaf at power forward. Wow. And ancient Al Horford at center. So, I mean, it should be similar to like when an eighth grader goes out and plays basketball with a bunch of fifth graders. He should just be running circles around everybody. The Portland Trailblazers, Steve, have a pretty similar-looking roster in a lot of ways. They landed Derek Jones Jr. from the Heat in free agency, and they also acquired one Robert 
Covington. Rocco was obviously a pretty fun fantasy player last year. 12.4 points, 6.6 boards, 1.6 steals, 1.3 blocks, 2.3 threes. Now he's playing with Lillard, McCollum, Carmelo, Nurkic. You think Rocco has a path to a repeat of his dynamic all-around stats from last year? Yeah, Rocco's really grown on me um, the last couple of years. He used to be a guy where I just didn't trust his field goal percentage or his shot. I, I felt like he could go out and give you an 0 for 13 game in the blink of an eye. And, and that didn't sit very well with me. But it's, he's got, I think his game has morphed into more of a thing where he's just a, a lunch pail guy, does the dirty work. And he doesn't need to score a lot of points to have fantasy value. So I think putting him with Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum and Nurkic is almost perfect. And the, the other thing about it is, he doesn't need to score to be valuable, but he's going to make Portland such a better team. I think defensively and often offensively, um, he's a great rebounder. He can hit threes. He can block shots. He can steal. I think he's the piece that Portland needed to get over the hump. Let's talk about the Raptors for a second, Steve. Fred Van Vliet is, of course, back. They they retained him with a four-year, $85 million deal, which is obviously huge for his fantasy value. We liked him returning to Toronto I want to talk, though, for a second about the center depth chart. Serge Ibaka's gone. He's in L.A. Marcus Gasol's gone. He's in L.A. So what do we make of this center situation? Aaron Baines is now in Toronto. Chris Boucher is still there, the per-36-minute monster who we're hoping gets enough minutes. You also have Steve Alex Len is in Toronto. So those three, I think the big question for me and the question I'll put to you now is, do you think between Baines and Len, Boucher can get enough playing time to put up fantasy-worthy numbers? Uh, I do. I mean, it could have been worse for Boucher. They could have got, they could have done better than Alex Len probably. Uh, Alex Len is one of those guys where if you are in a pinch as an NBA team, you can put him out there and start him at center and be okay. But he's also one of those guys that if you have centers on your roster, he can also just float into the background and, and never be heard from again. So I don't think Alex Len is going to do a lot to ruin my guy, Chris Boucher. I'm a little more concerned about Baines. Baines had like a 34-point, he did 9-3 pointer did. game last year, and then he followed that up with like a 24 and five or something like Baines had some good games last year. He can shoot the three, he can stretch the floor. And I feel like he might be the starting center for that team with Boucher coming off the bench. But really if Boucher can get 23 or 24 minutes a night, I think he'll be okay. Yeah. That is a concern with Baines because he did have some big games when Deandre Ayton was suspended but he's not much of a shot blocker. So fantasy-wise, it is a situation where you could see Baines getting enough minutes to produce, but I worry that he's a fantasy center who gets you points, some boards, and threes all at kind of a low level, but isn't getting enough blocks given that he plays center. So hopefully, as you said, Boucher can play 20 to 24 minutes. They just re-signed him. I think he's a priority. So he's a guy who can do a lot of damage in a little bit of time. So he's still on my radar as a draft pick in fantasy. Uh, he is also on mine, and Matt just finished this up with a put a bow on it. I took Chris Boucher <laughs> in round eight of the Steve Alexander 
mock draft that I did. I, I literally just went out and made sure I got all my guys. And when I took Boucher in the eighth round, you could see Jared Johnson throwing things. <laughs> you also may have heard my dog. My dog, Ozzy, liked it as well. He just chimed in with his approval in case you heard that at home. Don't forget to subscribe to Showing Up Podcast, Spotify, wherever you listen. Take a second to rate and review us as well. We'll be back on Tuesday to talk more as we ramp up very quickly for the season. By this time next week, we're just going to be a few weeks away from the start of the season, so there is still a lot to cover. Thanks to all of you for listening. Steve, thanks for taking the time. We'll talk to you soon. See you guys. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.